Hi, this is Polite Company with Jane Smith, and I'm talking to Destin Miller, who is a poly innovator. And he's going to tell me all about what that means in a second. Hi, Destin. Hi, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. So poly innovator has been my personal brand, the kind of online source of like where I'm at, basically. And I wanted to pursue my own education at first, because I found myself not finding a degree or college that really suited me. So I just decided just to create my own. And this evolved, this do-it-yourself education evolved into this modular degree concept, which I've been working on. And so that's a, that's a whole big endeavor that I've been focusing on. But I think with your audience today, I wanted to go a little bit more broader because eventually I also started looking at habits and systems and I've been pursuing self-development for the past decade or so, like actively pursuing it. Yeah. And I realized even way back then that there was a way to organize self-development into these four major aspects of life, the four pillars philosophy, as I call it, the mind, body, spirit, and emotions. And I was listening to one of your podcasts recently, uh, actually right before this, just to get my mind in the right game. And you're talking about self-care and you're mentioning spirituality, you're mentioning health and stuff like that. And these four pillars just kind of help simplify that in a more modern sense. So that way you can think about it more often, building the habit of con making connections like, hey, this is affecting my body pillar. Me eating this is going to make me feel not so energized later down the line, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or me doing this, like I'm doing exercise, I'm expelling energy, but I'm going to get more energy from that in the long run. Nice. So planning, planning everything to get a goal of helping yourself in the end instead of just letting things happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, and sometimes letting things happen happens too. For mm -hmm. example, when it comes to habits and systems, systems are really interesting because you don't have to have a habit to have a system, but you have to have a system usually to have a habit actually be very useful. It's kind of a weird dynamic there, but if you have a system, you can build a habit out of nothing. So for example, I don't have necessarily a habit of working out, but I work at a recreation facility, so I can go and work out at any point in time that I want to. And mm -hmm. usually when I work, I would just, today I, I taught a class, mm -hmm. right before the class, I went up to the gym and did some bench press and was able to get a quick workout in before my class, even though that's not normally my schedule, so to speak. And so I'm able to keep that habit going just purely because of the system. So understanding that dynamic as well. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, that reminds me of how some people who live in big cities will take the train and they know they have to walk a while. So it's like, that's their system. And then that habit comes out of it. Is that kind of like what you mean or? Yeah. I, I think that when it comes to habits and systems, I need to do better as a creator to explain what I think. But a lot of my knowledge on that is based on people like uh, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits and just uh, the book Grit and all these different books that talking about what are you doing every day to get accomplished towards your goals and how are those rituals in your brain activated what are you doing for example in atomic habits he talks about how there was a study where you get association with certain things so once i had the microphone in front of me and the headphones here and i'm looking at the camera i'm in podcast mode or in my case polycast mode and so i start getting into that state of mind where okay i'm here to act listen and teach or whatever i'm trying to do and so my brain changes and so my my habits have built into this form mm -hmm. and he talks about how there's an example where you're like okay you want to put a headphone on every time you listen to a podcast well eventually the act of putting your headphones on are going to make you think hey i'm listening to a podcast now and so your brain's going to be much more receptive actually doing that habit versus just going into a podcast opening it up then get the headphones on just getting all that whole cycle out of whack you start building the habit because of that association as well Okay, nice. So like you're using the Pavlov's dog thing to your benefit. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
Okay. Very cool. Um, and you mentioned grit. Did you mention? Yeah. Yeah. I Angela, like Angela. I don't remember her. Uh, is it, is it that one? No, no. Yeah. I, I've heard the concept of grit and it's really intriguing. How does that relate to, to habits? So mm -hmm. I would say not so much to the hat. Well, actually it does relate to habits, but it's a matter of just continuously doing it. Okay. I think of it more in the idea of self-development. So grit is more important when it comes to exercise, for example, or eating. Eating is a big aspect. A lot of people forget that sometimes it's hard to eat healthy, but it's not always about taste. Sometimes you have to eat healthy and just scarf it down. It's not comfortable. That's fine. But if it makes you feel a lot better than eating something not healthy, it's mm -hmm. going to, like, for example, there's a drink you can drink before exercise called pre-workout. Mm -hmm. Usually the taste can be fine, but sometimes the taste is not that great, but it's not about the taste. It's about how it gives you a tingling sensation in your muscles. It gives you more physical energy. It often has caffeine, so it wakes you up. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of actual effects that you get from that drink concoction. And mm -hmm. I'm not endorsing pre-workout. Everyone should mm -hmm. look at their own stuff because there's so many different kinds out there. But it is interesting how it's a matter of the effects, the afterwards, the drink taste doesn't matter. And so mm -hmm. you have to have the grit to get past that so you can actually get to the actual action you're trying to take. Nice. So grit is sticking in there and doing what you need to do for yourself, even if at the time it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. And it is Angela Duckworth. I looked it up. Woohoo! <laughs> I had it on digital, so I didn't have a book I could look at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so and all these different areas come together in a kind of funnel in a way. And so I created what I call the personal poly innovation system. And that's a very roundabout way of just saying self-development along with self-education and self-improvement and all put together. In fact, I actually made a word self edudevment just to try to simplify it, to put like smunch it all together. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to give a foundation with the self-education. So people learning, trying to get a new skill. And that's the foundation before any kind of new thing happens. If you want to learn how to exercise or make a podcast, that's a new habit that you want to build. You have mm -hmm. to learn about it first. Mm -hmm. And then self-improvement, the consistency of your actions, such as the grits or how often are you doing the habits and how that their forms into systems. And sometimes you can start with a system, but it's, it's a little more harder that way. Mm -hmm. And then the final aspect is that self-development, that exponentiality, so to speak. If you can balance those four pillars much more effectively, get your health in line, get your spirituality in line, regardless if that's more religious or just scientific, because I often see spirituality as a way of like bridging the conscious mind and subconscious mind for those out there who aren't necessarily religious per se. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's for everybody, so to speak. And then you have the emotional pillar as well. So you control, not control, but understand your emotions more. Mm -hmm. If you had to focus on one into, in the beginning, is there one you would focus on to develop that one? Or do you think that they all need to be focused on equally in the beginning? I think they all need to be, but... Mm -hmm. That's also my kind of personality because my personal brand is around this idea of being polymathic. I want to take the all-around approach personally. Mm -hmm. And I know some people are going to be like that. Some people want to focus. And it's not bad mm -hmm. to focus on just one, but mm -hmm. oftentimes they get neglected. You could think of like the meathead in the gym who's super bulky, but then like the mm -hmm. stereotype is that he's not very wise or smart. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe he doesn't have control of his emotions. He gets kind of hormonal and uh, uh, angry easily, something like that. Mm -hmm. But there's also people who like Arnold, who was very mind and body. He was controlling his mental state. He was controlling his muscles in specific ways due to his mental connection to his body. So he had a strong mind pillar and uh, motions and body pillar. So it's interesting how a lot of people usually start with one. And what I found is that some people actually have a more preference and it's not necessarily very apparent at times. I grew up 
focusing on exercise. So my body filler was my main one, but I met someone who was much more spiritually aligned and then found the other ones after that. So it's a matter of personal preference, I think too. Yeah, definitely. It's body, spirit, emotions, and then self. Mind. So mind, body, spirit, and emotions. Mind, body, spirit, emotions. Okay. All right. And there's not, and so for you, it's best to just focus on all of those equally. But for somebody else who already has one under control already, they might want to focus on the weaker, I guess. Yeah, it, it would also seem like there's not necessarily a cutty cutter, cutty, cookie cutter structure, so to speak. And what happens is for there's a strong connection between the mind and the body. Like I mentioned Arnold earlier, he was able to do that. But I think that if you can control your body well, then eventually you're going to have much more mental control from that. In order to control your muscles, you need to have that neuromuscular connection. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you're going to get a stronger mind pillar because you've built that, that body pillar. Mm-hmm. But also, too, when you have a stronger body, you're going to have more emotional resilience as well because you're going to have to have that grit. You're going to be in cases where you're going to be upset and like, I don't want to do this. And mm-hmm. That comes back to grit, too. Yeah. And so your emotional pillar is going to be built up. So I often find that when you build one up, the other ones get improved as well in some shape or form. And the same thing goes for the opposite direction too. When if you get a help, if you get attacked by COVID basically or something like that and you get sick or some, some kind of sickness that's detrimental to your health, that's going to bring down your pillars much to your uncontrolled. You're not able to control the external pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned Arnold. Is that um, somebody that you know personally or are you referencing? No, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. That's who I thought you were talking yeah. about at first, but I wasn't, I didn't want to assume. Okay. Yeah. Seems like, it does kind of remind me of how some religions have different pillars, mm-hmm. you know, do you think Yoga there's any relation? Yeah. Do you think there's any relation? Yeah. So I, cre- I create, I say I created this philosophy, but it was more from my experience from learning from past religions and belief systems and philosophies. And mm-hmm. so I created it in just in the modern sense. I wanted to give it, make it easy for people to understand these aspects of their life in the modern way. But in actuality, there's four areas of yoga, mind, body, spirit often become those, like the bhakti yoga and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's also ethos and logos in the Greek philosophy that's sort of similar in a way of how they approach life. Mm-hmm. And just the mindset behind it, even the Nietzsche with the super uberman, basically, and how, or superman, whatever terminology you use for it, just the ultimate self, so to speak. This idea of what you can become and try to strive for perfection, I think is really interesting. And so that's where the four pillars kind of evolved from. Nice. Um, can you give any other inspirational examples of people who have used these four pillars uh, successfully? Yeah. And so another aspect, someone brought it to my attention that the Spartans, so the people who were not the Spartans as in the Greeks, but the Spartan as in like the Spartan challenge, was, uh, the fitness I don't want to say fanatics, but fitness experts, they were doing all those challenges, all those races, Spartan races. That's what the word was. Okay. Those people have this Spartan Delta that I came across from this guy told me about it. And mm-hmm. essentially he, they don't look at the emotions separately from the mind, but they have mind, body, and spirit. And they try to talk about how that's a trifecta and how it comes together. And you need all three to accomplish those Spartan races. You need a physical structure to actually move through those races and get through all the challenges. You also need to have the mindset to be able to like, hey, discern which way should I go about this challenge? 
challenge. How should I do this? And think quickly. So you have to have a strong mind pillar. But then also too, there's gonna be challenges where like you're going through the mud or climbing across a monkey bar for such a long distance that your arms wanna give out. That's a spirituality mm -hmm. aspect. That's the grit, that's the inner drive to move forward. And so that's another example of like these people who are working really hard at themselves to accomplish that smart and race goal. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a similar to the four pillars, but I see emotions as a separate aspect. Yeah, nice. Yeah, some for some people, mind, I mean, I'm sure some people and probably other, some cultures too, mind and emotions are so intertwined, you know, that it's hard to disentangle what they, you know, where one stops and the other begins, so. Yeah, the reason why I have it separate is not because of the mind and emotions connection, because that is true, they are very interconnected, but it's more because of how they're connected to the other pillars. So the emotions have a dramatic impact on your temperature of your body. So when you're sad, your core temperature decreases. When you're happy or excited, you start getting more heated up. That's why when you get angry or uh, like trying to run away from a predator, your body's going to heat up and get moving. And when you get depressed and that kind of thing, your body's going to start decreasing its energy production because you're not going to do much. You're going to be staying still more. Your temperature cools down. So you have a physical reaction to your body pillar from your emotions. Spirituality is a big aspect. How you are feeling emotionally will definitely impact your prayers or meditations or whatever you're doing to build up your spiritual pillar. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I think also it made me think of the example of um, horses when they need to run away, they evacuate their bowels because that's the first thing they need to get out and so they they do that and people when they're anxious sometimes have that issue as well mm -hmm. so yeah we so that's like a really concrete example for me that i sometimes think about for that too yeah Not well it's like um it's a, they might also just try to be like making themselves lighter so they can go faster but on top of that yeah yeah that's what it is that's what I, I i guess i didn't say that correctly but yeah that's what it is they're they're making themselves lighter and like yeah and just getting it out so they can go so yeah yeah that's and we have a lot of we don't think we think of ourselves as separate from animals a lot of times but we really are animals right yeah yeah i was actually watching a video about octopi or octopus octopus octopi is plural yeah, okay. So I was watching a video about the octopus, so to speak, and how it's such a strange, almost alien evolution chain from us. But in doing so, by looking at, at that, it made us even more connected to our, like the monkeys and the birds and all the other vertebrates around us. Like there's so much similarity between these different living beings. It's crazy. Wow, that's interesting. Anything in particular that you think would um, be interesting for this discussion? Not in particular, but it's something I just wanted to note that two thirds of the octopi's brain is in its arms. What? Yeah. That's so interesting. And so wow. like some arms can move on their own accord, basically. And another thing is there's actually a second brain in our gut. Yes. And that's interesting too. And that mm -hmm. comes down to the microbiome, but also too, there's actual neurons in there. So sometimes when you get that gut feeling, it could actually be coming from those gut neurons. Definitely. Let's pivot back to talking about the PPS, the Personal Poly Innovation System. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me more about that? Yeah. And so right now I've been working on making that easier for people to understand and just help, just help them in general. And what I'm offering is not much at the current points, but I want to just help people expand what they're thinking about and how they're actually approaching their habits and their mindsets and their, what they're doing to improve their life. Mm -hmm. And so I created the pages on my current website around the idea of just sharing those ideas currently. Mm 
and I intend on making more blog posts and videos and polycasts talking about them more and more. In fact, I have hundreds, like a long list of hundreds of ideas of content to help people along that journey. And so just to kind of go over it again, it's the self-education aspect, the learning foundation for your life, the self-improvement and consistency of your habits and systems, getting yourself doing stuff every day, getting that 1% better each day. And then the last aspect, the four pillars, the self-development, getting yourself exponentially better over time. Mm -hmm. And so the PPS, or Personal Polyinnovation System, can be found on my website, which just for people curious, polyinnovator.space. And right now, I'm actually moving to a new platform altogether. I'm rebuilding the website from the ground up, and I want to make the site much more efficient at getting the ideas across. And so when you go to the old one or new one, you'll still benefit from actually checking out the PPS and just learning, kind of just getting the right mindset and just getting yourself started, so to speak, regardless of what, where you're on the journey to. Yeah, awesome. So what made you decide that you wanted to offer um, content to other people instead of just kind of helping yourself and stopping there? Yeah, that's a good question. So whenever I started creating content back in 2011, 2012, I started blogging, I was around world unity through self-development and so I, I felt that people can be more united on a global scale not by trying to change everybody at once but by changing each person at a time from internally like i can't go and change you you can't change me i can't even change my clients who i teach mm-hmm. i can try helping to a degree but we can't change someone else but if we can influence someone's behavior in a good positive way teaching them hey this is it's much easier than you might think you just have to actually apply it in this way shape or form and here's what I've learned. Maybe it can help you. And by building someone up individually, we start building up as a group. And then each of the groups around the world start building up. And as a whole, we start building up and elevating. I love that concept. It makes me think of how when they say when somebody else isn't free, you're not free. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's kind of spreading that, um, that freedom and that health out to everybody. Yeah. Is that how you, you look at it? I see it as world unity. So no matter if it's freedom or politics yeah. or happiness or joy or success mm-hmm. i there's a scientific term about the kardashev scale kardashev scale kardashev. where it's a it's a matter of what our civilization can do as a whole so mm-hmm. the type one civilization is a global planetary civilization that has control over all the energy that's produced on that planet mm-hmm. and that includes weather formations and just energy grids and all that good stuff beyond that you have to control the solar system galaxy and bigger and bigger but we're not even type one yet. And so we're not even on a, a player on this civilization scale that was made. This was like mm-hmm. made in the 60s, I think, or something like that. A lot of video games and stories are based off of it too. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, for example. Had I mean, yeah, Cause like Star Trek is, for sure is actually like a type three civilization, I think. They have control over their galaxy or something like that. Oh. And so like not just solar system, but they can control the black hole in the middle of their galaxy kind of thing is insanely mm-hmm. powerful. But not to go too much on tangent on that, but we're basically 0.75 on the scale. So we're so close. Like that's why Elon Musk is so working so hard at like three different jobs. And I know he gets a little crazy on Twitter sometimes, but he's working hard at trying to get us better. Same with Bezos and they all have their own problems, but there's still people who are trying to improve the world. And all around the world, we have people like that who are trying to improve what we're doing. And I'm hoping that maybe you and I can be one of those people too. Yeah, I'm for it. Totally for it. Um, and I love that concept. Um, and what's the guy's name? It started with a K. Kardashev. Kardashev. Okay, so when Kardashev came up with this idea, which is really intriguing, where did he, what did he base it upon? Was there anything in particular that he used to um, come up with this idea that you know of? Or 
I it has don't to know if I know it well enough to really yeah. explain it that okay. well. Because it's not this is not science fiction. It's it's real, right? It's it's yeah. got, he's got to have an idea. So is it just aspirational? I wonder. Maybe it's aspirational. So, Mm-hmm. I'll read a little bit on the Wikipedia aspect. Mm-hmm. So the Carter Shift Scale is a method of measuring a civilization's level of technological advancement based on the, on the amount of energy they are able to use. And so the measurement was proposed by Soviet astronomer Nikolai Kardashev in 1964. And so it's interesting how, I don't, it doesn't really say what he based it off of, but he was an astronomer, mm-hmm. so he probably just thought about how the stars were acting and whatnot. Yeah, that's really interesting. So on based on the energy that people are able to use, so meaning energy as far as just like electricity and stuff, or is there another Essentially, Like basically the production aspect, how much we're using. So mm-hmm. we're using a ton of energy just to power our cities and lights and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. right now we're using fossil fuels, a tiny bit of like solar and a tiny bit of hydro, but we could use a lot more hydro. We could definitely use a lot more solar now that things are getting cheaper. We could even use geothermal and wind. In fact, Singapore, I remember watching a video about how Singapore as a smart nation was developing their city in a certain way that the, the towering buildings was controlling the wind flow to the most optimal cool states so that the temperature wasn't too high or too low. And that's a smart city concept where they're controlling how everything are. And that's kind of the same idea, but think of it on a larger scale, so to speak. Yeah. So it's like energy kind of shows how active the civilization is. It's kind of a, yeah, what's the word? Like a variable that kind of describes that in a shorthand shorthand term. Yeah. And you can kind of think of variables too. Like I think that's probably the most fluid variable because you can also, that energy is universal. Uh, An alien species that has nothing to do with us and like how we work will still use energy to do things. Mm-hmm. And so that could be a similar balance of measurement between those two civilizations, even though they have nothing else in common. I think that's probably why they chose it. But population growth perhaps could be how we do things too might be another way of like maybe how governments are structured. That's kind of getting on tangential terms there. But I think it's mm-hmm. interesting how energy was a good universal currency in a way. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because even if, you, for example, if you go to another planet, they may not have oxygen, but for things to do things, they need energy. Yeah, I think about E equals MC square, you know, that's, that's a really important variable. Do you think it links into that at all? Yeah, and whether it comes down to like the Fibonacci sequence and all these universal truths when it comes to mm-hmm. science and math, I think that's one reason why behind it too, because energy doesn't get created or destroyed. It's just a matter of it's there, it changes. And so how much energy, energy we use mm-hmm. changes. So like if we're using energy to control the water and food for our civilization, well, it's going to go into us, it's going to come out of us, it's going to go back into the system. But mm-hmm. the more people we have, the more technology we have, the more energy we're going to use. And so it's got a good variable to see how far we've come. Nice. And so right now we are not even at stage one and it goes up to four. And you think that by following these these um, pillars that it's going to help us get along to be more advanced as a civilization. Well, and that's a very macro view of it too. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's almost looking at the first five pages of a book and the second last five pages of a book. Mm-hmm. The, self, the uh, personal polynization system is like the first five pages. Mm-hmm. The type one, type two is the last five pages. Yes. What are we going to do there? Uh-huh. What we do in the middle, I think is what's really interesting. Smart city development or creating new technologies or changing to nu- nuclear fusion, whatever, actions we take as a species kind of thing. 
Definitely. Yeah, I, I do think like in macro level, a lot of times I was told once that the best way to read a book, and I don't do this, but the best way is to read the intro and the conclusion, and then read through the rest of it, you know, kind of like I was told to read all the chapter titles. Oh, well, that's that's kind of like, yeah, because then you get everything in between as well. And you get like a, a outline of what they're, they're, they're writing. So yeah, that's good, too. I like that. Okay. Um, so as far as what, what would you say can motivate somebody? I know grit is involved, but what would you say motivate somebody to, you know, actually be a little bit disciplined and use your system? Yeah. Well, and my system is similar to most out there too. I try to make it simple for people and I'm happy for people to come join and take it. But if someone wants to just go take the Spartan Delta and call it a day, that's fine too. They want to use the four pillars of yoga, that's good too. But regardless of what system you use, it does come down to the same fundamental factors. And I think grit isn't even a start. Grit is more of a continuation factor. It's like once you've already started, you keep moving. It's like accelerating on an ice sheet. Like you're already, like once you start moving, you're going to move, but you can accelerate it farther. Uh, when it comes to actually starting, it's a matter of action. Like you just have to go do something. And I know that seems obviously obvious, but you can't say you're going to go work out and then never go to the gym. And so I think this was in the topic habits or some other video or book I was looking at, but they say that if you just want to build a habit of going to the gym so you can start working out, then just go to the gym. Don't mm -hmm. work out go to the gym for like two weeks, three weeks, five minute atomic habits. James Clear stays in my life quite a bit. But um, literally, you just go to the gym for five minutes, look around, and then leave. That's it. Like you get, you get dressed, you go there, you can do it, and then you leave. Because then there's no pressure. You're just literally going there and leaving. But after a couple of weeks, you might pick up a weight or so and look around like, okay, this is cool. This is, is kind of how it feels. And then you leave again. And it's interesting too, speaking on weights, since I work at a pool for a lot of my work, Weights act differently in the pool. So a lot of people will pick up a dumbbell that's meant for the pool and they're like, oh, this is really light. And then they push it underwater and all the mm -hmm. buoyancy comes into effect. They're like, oh, okay, that's why it works. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the same thing goes with the dumbbell upstairs in the gym where you're lifting that weight. You have to fight the gravitational pull. And so it's push and pull, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I would just say, go do something. Go walk, go to the gym, go start a podcast. Not start a podcast, start listening to a podcast like yours or mine mm -hmm. and listen to what people are saying and see how you can apply that in your life. Nice. Um, and I'm, gl I'm glad you made that distinction with grit and how grit is the continuation, not the starting point. So how does a person get themselves out of bed to, to like, they say, my goal is to go to the gym five o'clock every morning before I go to work. How do they get themselves out of bed? Like besides just, you know. You just gotta do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally this morning, okay. <laughs> Last night I wanted to stay up all night cause I had, I had all these meetings today like I told you before the interview and I also have to, I had to edit two hour long interview for my own show as well as also do all my work and rebuild the website. And I have so much going on today. So I was like, okay, let's just stay up all night. And around 4 a.m. I was like, okay, this is not gonna happen. Let's go to sleep. So I got four or five hours of sleep last night and I feel great, but it's one of those things where I was like, when I woke up this morning, I did not want to wake up. I did not want to get out of bed, but I told myself, I want to work out before my class today. I want to teach that class, and, but I want to do a little quick workout beforehand. And I'm, I'm not a morning person. I don't like working out in the morning. I don't like doing things in the morning. I like to work out in the evening where I'm feeling more energized, but I wanted to get it done at this time for this day. I just got up, like literally, it's like, okay, time to get up. I got up, got my shoes on, got my shirt, my keys, went out, did the workout, did the class, came back. And so Tony Robbins talks about the count of three. 
you count yourself to three and once you get to three you're out of bed mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a great way of thinking about it just get mm-hmm. out of bed and you can't give yourself a break basically mm-hmm. and say well i'm gonna hit my snooze and yeah, yeah you force yourself um i find that since I stopped working a nine to five job and there's nobody keeping tabs on me, it's a lot harder to get myself inspired to do things. Um, and you're saying that one thing that helps you is, is or helps some people is the one, two, three. Um, I'm, I guess I'll, I'll try that. I'll try that. Well, another thing I like to do is contrast therapy. So hot and cold treatment, as they say. And mm-hmm. since I work in the pool, there's a hot tub and there's a pool. So people go to the hot tub and then they leave after going to the hot tub. But the problem is the locker rooms are like 70 degrees. The hot tub's like 100 degrees, whereas mm-hmm. the pool's at right in the middle of 85. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at how that difference is, it would be wiser to go from the pool to the locker room because it's a different challenge there. It's, it's much easier than going from 30 if you're only going 15 degrees of difference. And I know this is kind of seems specific, but it's interesting mm-hmm. how like going into the pool, it's not something you want to do, but you feel so relieved afterwards. You're like, oh, this feels really good. And then once you go to the hot tub and then back to the pool, you're like, oh, I'm all heated up. I don't want to go back in there. But that shock releases chemicals in your body. It makes you feel comfortable. It's good for your skin. It's good for your hair. And on top of that, it prepares you for the cold locker room that you have to go into next. And you kind of think about how, like, most people don't want to do that. 30 seconds of discomfort. 30 seconds is all it takes. Mm-hmm. You feel more euphoric afterwards. You feel happier. You feel much more relaxed. On top of that, it just takes a few seconds. So I, the other day, I was leaving the hot tub going towards the pool. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to keep walking. Nope. You made a decision. You got to do it. I, just, <laughs> I said one, two, three, and I went in. Wow. <laughs> okay, this feels good. Mm-hmm. That's just an example of using that in action. Yeah. And then I bet you after you do that a few times, um, that you get the, you get the payoff from it. Right. And then you're like, ah, this is actually really good. And maybe that's what helps you to keep the habit. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you, you just force yourself, and then after that, you kind of find out after you keep doing it, it becomes a habit, and then you you get the payoff because things are improving, you feel better, and you just that's what keeps you going. But yeah, there's nothing, no shortcut to get you into that go yeah. place. Well, and it's interesting too because there's a difference between habits and systems. So like a mm-hmm. habit would be going from the hot tub to the pool, and then that's a habit you built for that skill the skill of transitioning between temperatures that's a skill of being able to handle that change Mm -hmm. but let's say you want to take a cold shower or maybe you want to go out in the snow or you want to try to go to hot springs and snow and and like they do in iceland so to speak Mm -hmm. and those are the same skill but the habits are different because you're going to have a different area different cues different stuff going on different aspects but if you start building it into the system, do it the habit for long enough, it becomes a system. So you can apply the knowledge you have from that original habit. Like, okay, now I'm in Iceland. I want to try what everyone's always talking about, going in the hot tub and into the snow, see how it feels. It's a similar mm-hmm. experience, but it's different. And so you have to use the knowledge you have there and build that system out. And the same thing applies to other habits and skills as well. Mm-hmm. So how would you build a system out of, um, out of, like, say, the habit of around going to the gym? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that I'm not an expert on systems and I want to approach that so people understand that what I'm coming from is my own experience there. Yeah. I failed the first couple of weeks at quarantine, for example, and not, I may not be good at systems so much per se when it comes to building them, but I'm good at doing it naturally, so to speak. And so I'll build a, build a habit pretty quickly just because I've just done it for so long now. And so I guess I, I could be more than most people when it comes to systems, but that's regardless. 
I lost my habit and my system at the same time. At the beginning of quarantine, mm -hmm. my system revolved around me working mm -hmm. to go do the habit. When I stopped working because of quarantine, I lost both of them. And mm -hmm. so it took me two weeks before I started working out again, which is insane since I'm a personal trainer. I should be doing it right away. And the problem was, I think other people were even worse off than I was because they didn't have a system in place. They didn't have the convenience that I had. And mm -hmm. I, I, I blame it on the convenience. I don't blame it on my own self-grid. I blame it on the fact that I can just go work out and yeah. call it a day. Mm -hmm. So I had to build it back up. And that's mm -hmm. what I want to prove to people that it can be done. And it just takes time and practice and start building a new habit and system. Because exercise is just transferable to anywhere you go. If you just do push-ups at the gym, still different than doing it at the house. Mm -hmm. It's just you're in a different mindset at your house. You're, you're relaxed. You're like, I want to just chill on my couch or watch TV or play on my computer that I'm at right now or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're in a mindset of work or play or that kind of thing, but not working out. So mm -hmm. building that same habit in a new context and new situation. That's the key. Nice. Um, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I won't go into why, but I can definitely relate as far as working out. And so how did you do the building of your system once you fell off of your old system? What was it that helped you and, and how did you do it? Oops, you're on mute, I think. Sorry. No, I think okay. practice, because I had been essentially being in this world for so long exercise for me is easy at this point because i've just done it for so long but if it came to something like reading i had a reading habit before quarantine even during quarantine i think i built a new one mm -hmm. but the problem was i had lost it over time and so I, I can build a reading habit if i need to if i have a guest who has a book i need to read it for my show i'll try to get it done in a week so i can build that mm -hmm. habit quickly because i still have that system where i built it up as in a way of when can I do this action? I guess that's where people could start. Think about it. During your day, you have certain time slots where you're like, I'm sitting here in the queue for a coffee. That's a time where if it takes me five minutes to get that coffee and we're just barely moving step by step, I can look at my phone and read a book. Or maybe mm -hmm. they bring the coffee to you so you can go sit down and read it even. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're in the drive to work. You take an hour long commute. Well, that's a perfect time for podcasts like yourself here. Mm -hmm. And there's another aspect where I literally went for walks. Me and my roommate are both computer nerds, and so we're on our computers all the time. We're just doing mm -hmm. stuff on our gaming or creating content, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we're like, this is not healthy. We need to start doing more stuff. <laughs> we need to move. And so we went for a walking habit just to get out of the house and just mm -hmm. get ourselves in a nature, like you've talked about in your show before. Mm -hmm. And that's another way to do it. It's just kind of doing something else. Like I, I said way early on, just do mm -hmm. it. Just go do something. Mm -hmm. And so once you start doing it more and more, the habit forms, the rituals are formed, and the connections are conformed in the brain. The systems come from those connections because it's not the habit itself that builds it per se. It's mm -hmm. the neurons that build the systems. Mm -hmm. I like that. Synapses. Yeah. So, yeah, synapses are the ones between the neurons, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I know that was a really long answer. So I hope I answered your question well. Well, yeah, I mean, because you told me basically, this is the, the biggest point that I got out of it um, for myself is just that find the time when it go something that you want to do, you have to figure out where it goes in your day. Like find a time where you can kind of naturally put it into the rest of your day. And here's and, where a lot of meta, oh, sorry. Mm -hmm, go ahead. Here's a lot of meta come in too. Your time of day is probably much really wasted a lot of the time watching Netflix, for example, or go playing outside or something like that for no reason, so mm -hmm. to speak. If you're playing to have some kind of relaxing, yeah, it's a different story. But if you're playing around and just playing guitar for the sake of playing and not the sake of growth, mm -hmm. it's a whole nother habit 
Mm-hmm. It's wasting your time. Habits can be good and bad. They're yeah. just there. And so try to see what habits you can stall. Like if you have a habit of watching TV, but you want to learn how to play the guitar, well, mm-hmm. put the guitar front and center. This is something else James Clear talks about, but at front and center, you could play it, hide the remote for the TV and the drawer in the back. And that way you make so many more hurdles for the harder, like make it harder to do the less important task and easier to do the more important task. I really like that. Yeah. It's like, so I'm getting a couple things. Like you, if you don't make yourself a habit, it's going to be made for you by just what you kind of fall into doing and it might not be good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, also if you want to prioritize something that you want to make yourself do, that's good for you, then you make it harder to do the things that you get you off, off track. Yeah. That's so it's all meta work. You know what I mean? It's all the stuff that's outside the habits themselves that really can are conducive. So you're asking me, how do you grow these systems and how do you do these habits? Well, just try to make make a habit of making habits mm-hmm. if that makes sense and so work on how like i have a minimalistic living area i try to keep things clear don't have anything cluttering up my space or my mind mm-hmm. and so it helps me move on to new things if i want to bring something in i can because i have empty space for it right. have empty space in your habits have empty space in your day to actually be able to do new things Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's really smart. So then you, what you have in your space, you're going to see it because you don't have stuff cluttering it up. Absolutely. Yeah. My, uh, my place is a little cluttered right now. So. I haven't even made my bed today. So <laughs> okay. No, it looks good. Um, I noticed how you have books there. I, I, that just rem- reminds me that sometimes people will, in these new um, Zoom interviews nowadays, you will know what they're reading because they mm-hmm. highlight the books they're reading, you know, and I think it's almost like a signifier yeah. of where they're signifying what they, what they're into and what you should read. But um, you know, it's funny. I'll tell you a secret. I don't like paper. Like the feeling of paper on my skin just bugs the living daylight out of me. Mm-hmm. And so I rarely read the physical books, but I read digital books on my phone. And that's another thing. Know what you like too. Yeah. If you like fiction, if you like nonfiction, if you don't like paper, read digital. Like know what you like and that'll help you build the habits too. That's, that's a good point. I totally forgot about that part. So um, go along with what you like. Don't force yourself to do something that, you know, just because you think that's what you should do, but find it in, in, a, in a form that you like. Like that reminds me, I know somebody who will not read a book to save her life in paper, but she'll listen to, to an audio book. And that's, that's the best way that she knows how to do it. So she sticks with what works for her rather than trying to do something else. Yeah. And I, and I will say, I do have the kind of mindset of like, Sometimes you do need to force yourself to do something. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to work, work out this morning, so I had to force mm-hmm. myself to do it. But it was a habit I was used to doing. I was used to forcing myself to do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I do think there's a point of where you should force yourself, but if you can make it easier, especially if you're starting out. Mm-hmm. If you're just new to self-development in general, mm-hmm. find an easy way. Snowball it. Build it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like make it easy first. Build it up over time. Then mm-hmm. if you have to force yourself to do something, you're already experienced at that point too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So just kind of give yourself a hand by making it a little bit easier, but still that little part where you have to make yourself do it. You're just going to have to do it. You're just going to have to do one, two, three. Well, and after this call too, I'm going to go make my bed. Like that's what I already decided in my head. I'm going to go make that. Like, okay. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Well, so as far as final words, last words, what do you want people mostly to get out of this interview? And the reason why I made the personal polyamation system the way I did is that I see it as you have to educate yourself first. Go learn something. If you want to build a new habit, well, you can't build it unless you know what to do. 
educate yourself first, go read an article, listen to this podcast, do whatever you need to do, then try to find a way of formulating a habit around it, even if it's a small one, and then you can worry about your four pillars affecting that habit. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, Dustin Miller, Poly Innovator du jour. <laughs> and it's been a great interview. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I know you had a busy day and it was great to have you on. It's great to be on. It's been a great episode of Polite Company. Thanks for listening in.